0: Please stand. Thank you for the promise that when we yield our lives to you and we say yes to the forgiveness through the payment of our sin by Jesus Christ, that you promise the power of God at our disposal. And we're so thankful that for that. Would you help us to live in that power even this morning? Now in the next few moments, as we open the word of God, I pray that your spirit would be free to touch our hearts. I pray that we would see Jesus Christ I pray that it wouldn't be my words that are heard here this morning, but yours. Thank you for the word of God and its power. Thank you for how it speaks to our every need. Thank you how how you give us direction by your spirit and through your living word. In your name we pray. Amen. We've been in the book of Mark and we're going to continue there. We're going to be in Mark chapter 8 this morning. And uh, as I look around this room this morning, I realize and you realize as well that. The amount of people that are in this room represent a lot of different professions, a lot of different skill sets. And if we were to go around the room and just have a conversation with with everyone, we would find that there are musicians and singers, there are artists, there are those who are uh, in the medical field, there are those who are mechanics, there are those who are carpenters and electricians and plumbers, there are teachers, there are lawyers, there are uh, secretaries. There are, there are passions and skills and, and lifestyles that are represented that, that, that just span such a broad horizon. There are interests that are varied. There are people who are interested in animals. There are people who are interested in shooting animals. There are people, oh, sorry. There are people who are interested in guns to shoot animals, but they don't shoot animals. They just like guns. Mike, a couple weeks ago. There are those of you who are interested in preserving animals that people like to shoot. There are, there are those of you who like your gardens. There are those of you who, who like to draw the garden. There are you, those of you who like to look at the garden, but you don't want to go in the garden. There are those of you who like the insects in the garden. There are those of you who are afraid of the insects that are in the garden. There are a lot of people who represent a lot of different things in this room. There are a lot of passions. There are a lot of skill sets. There are a lot of styles. But every one of you have one thing in common, If you have a skill set, which we all do, and if you have a passion, and if you have a job, then every one of you at some point had to put effort in and make sacrifices to learn and practice whatever it is that you're passionate about. Every one of you had to do it. It doesn't matter what it looks like You can't do any of those things that you're passionate about or any of the skills that you want to get better at without some sacrifice and some work. Am I right? Yeah. All of us have to do it. There are those of us who wish we could do certain things, but we're not willing to put the effort in, right? I'm one. I wanted to play the guitar. Justin and I, Just for your information, Justin and I started taking lessons at the same time. And if I were to stand beside him and play, I would be incredibly embarrassed. I didn't make it past the first lesson. It takes a lot of work. And anything we want to do, that's what it takes, right? At some point, we have to go, look, I want to be all in on this, and I want to sacrifice, and I want to put the time in, I want to put the energy in. I want to do what's necessary to become good at whatever it is, whatever that is, okay? The title this morning of what I want to talk to you about in Mark chapter 8 is is this. Mike, I changed it, okay, from what we we wrote, what you wrote, okay? He wrote A True Disciple, and that's true. We're going to talk about that. But I changed it as I was reading the passage to, so you want to be a disciple. And there's a reason I changed it. Because often in our internal life, we want to make claims about who we are that if people were to watch us very closely, they would realize it's not true. And in our country, we have people who all over the place say, I'm a Christian. And you'll notice that at Mossbrook Church, we've done this since the very beginning, we don't use the term Christian very often. We use the term Christ follower. There's a reason for that. I've actually had people ask me, why, don't you, why do you say Christ follower all the time? Because a Christ follower is someone who has made a distinction in their life. And they've, they've said, I want to be like Christ. And in order to be like Christ, I have to make some choices that others aren't willing to make. And so this morning, so you want to be a disciple, Mark chapter 8. Let me read this passage, and you follow along with me, and then we'll talk a little bit. There's some truths in this passage that we just need to be aware of. Mark chapter 8, verses 34 to 38, calling the crowd along with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. For what does it benefit someone to gain the whole world and yet lose his life? What can anyone give in exchange for his life? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Quite a passage of scripture, short verses, a lot packed into that. Now you need to remember, and Mike did a great job of reminding last week that Mark is on the move and he tells this story of Jesus and the events of Jesus' life a lot quicker than the rest of the gospels. And at this point, we're getting ready for the journey into Jerusalem, the the end of Jesus' life and ministry. He's getting ready to go to the cross. And really, the statements that he just made prior to this are statements that kind of indicate what's about to happen. And if you were to go back in the beginning of this chapter and read the statements, you'll find this, that Peter, one of his disciples, has just said and confessed publicly that Jesus had asked the disciples who do you say that I am and and Peter had stepped up and said you're the Messiah you're Christ you're the one and then almost in the exact same breath that he makes that statement that that Jesus is the Messiah he's the one at the same almost same instant Peter who is so good at putting his foot in his mouth does it again and he says he goes you're the Messiah but but you don't have to die And if you're to read the verses right before the ones we read, Jesus rebukes him. And we always point at Peter. But if you read the verse, it says he looked at his disciples, not just Peter, because in their mind, the rest of them were afraid to say what Peter was saying. They were thinking it. Peter just spoke it because he couldn't keep his mouth shut. And Peter had looked at Jesus and he said, look, you, you don't have to die. You don't, you're going to be the next ruler. And, and, and even the disciples had in their mind that Jesus was going to set up a physical kingdom. And that's what they were hoping. That's what they wanted. Oh, that the Romans wouldn't have any power and that Jesus would be in control. And, and so Peter had looked at Jesus and he said, you're the Messiah. You're the savior. You're going to be the king. And you don't need to die to do that. We'll make it happen. And Jesus rebukes him and says, get behind me, Satan. And then Jesus goes into these verses. And he doesn't just do it with the disciples. It's very interesting. Because there's a whole crowd of people who had gathered. And he, the, the verse starts and it says this, that Jesus with the disciples goes to the crowd of people who had followed. And they were looking for someone to follow. They wanted someone. Someone. They're looking for the next ruler. It was common in those days because of the oppression of Rome that people were looking for someone to rise up to save them. And these guys, this crowd was hoping that maybe Jesus was the one who was going to do that. And so Jesus takes his disciples and he looks at his disciples and he looks at the crowd and he begins to tell them, so you want to follow me? So you want to be my disciple. Well, if you want to be my disciple, look at verse 34. He says, calling the crowd along with the disciples, he said to them, if anyone wants to follow after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In this one verse, Jesus gives us three truths, and I want you to catch these this morning, three truths of what it means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. A disciple of Jesus Christ. Not talking our term Christian here. It's too easy. Christian simply means that the tenets of God, the fact that He's love, and He tells us to love people, and that Jesus was a great teacher. That's Christian. That's what it's come to mean in our culture. No, this is follower of Jesus Christ, disciple of one who looks at Jesus and says, he's the master. There's three truths in this passage that I want us to look at. Truth number one found in the passage is this. Following Jesus requires denying self. It's not popular in our culture, I'm sorry. (laughs) But the word of God typically isn't. Following Jesus requires denying self. There is a cost to following Jesus. In Luke 14, 25 to 33, Jesus sets up some of the cost. And he says it this way He says, Look, if a man says he wants to follow me, but he doesn't hate his father and mother, his brother and sister, his wife and his children. Now, when he uses the word hate there, he's not talking about loathe. That's not what he means. That's not what the word means. What he means when he says that is this, that if if you haven't come to the place where Jesus Christ and God, the person of God as a whole, gets first seat and all the rest come after him. That's what he's saying. If a man wants to be a follower of Jesus Christ and he's unwilling to put God as king, stop for a minute. Because if you're a Christ follower, you say, yeah, I get that, Tim. I don't know why you're talking about that. I get it. Yeah, but look at your life and who's king? What will you give yourself for? What gets your attention? Who has your heart? It's coming Valentine's, right? And we're, our heart. But who has your heart? And so in Luke, when he says this, he says this, look, if you haven't come to the place where, where my family and my friends and those people around me take second place to what God is doing in my heart and my life and what he asks of me, you don't love me. And he keeps going in that passage and he, he gives two scenarios and he says this, he says, look, who, who's going to build a building, hey, we're familiar with this, doesn't sit down first and put all the costs together. So that when he gets partway through the building, he doesn't run out of money. It's interesting here, by the way. This is just a side note, okay? It's a Tim side note that he's assuming you're going to pay for the thing. It's interesting to me. Anyway, that's a side note. Who doesn't sit down and count the cost before he starts building the building so that he doesn't get the foundation in and look like a fool because he ran out of money. What Jesus is saying there is not that buildings are expensive. They are. But that's not what he's saying. He's saying this. Look, if you say you're going to follow me, realize that there's a cost to it. And you better sit down first and count the cost before you say you're in. He goes to the next step in that passage in Luke. You can read it for yourself. He says this. What king looks out and says, I want to have a battle with this other king and doesn't sit down first and say, that king has 120,000 men and I only have 40,000 men and doesn't count the cost of the battle before he goes in. Only a fool would do that. And so what Jesus is saying when he talks about being a disciple or a follower of Jesus Christ is this, Look, don't be hasty to say you're my follower because there's a cost to following me. And the cost is high. And you better sit down first and realize that if you're going to follow Jesus Christ, it's not free. Yeah, his grace is free. His forgiveness is free. But there's a cost in my following him. And that's called self or denying self. We talk about sacrifice. It's kind of like a marriage, right? When I get married, I give up my desires for the desires of the two of us together. And that's what happens a lot in marriage where you ask what the problem is. The problem is is that you have two people who have their own selfish desires pulling in different directions because they want what they want, not what is best for the two of them together. That's what he's talking about, the sacrifice. It's giving up what I want for the good in this case, of what Jesus wants. I'm married to Jesus. Denying self is not self-improvement. That's not what I'm talking about. Self-denial is giving up something for a short time or changing a habit to get better or healthier. That's self-denial. Denying self means surrender. It's dying to self. Totally different. One is saying, look, if I give up chocolate for a short period of time, the doctor will be happy with my triglycerides and I can go back. That's self-denial. Denying self is this. It's saying, no, I completely sacrifice who I am for the good of the master or the will of the master. And what Jesus is calling is denying self. This looks like me yielding my will to the will of Jesus. It's not asking what would Jesus do and then deciding. It's doing whatever Jesus would do. It's not even stopping. See, we live in a culture where we go, like, let me ask the question and then weigh the odds, pros and cons, I'll make a list. Should I do it? Shouldn't I? That's not what he's talking about here. He's simply saying this, look, if you want to be my follower, then follow. Deny yourself and follow. Be all in. Truth number two. Actually, let me give you this verse from Mark 8, 35, he says, for whoever wants to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life because of me and the gospel will save it. That's how all in you gotta be. I'm not trying to protect my life for my good. I'm just saying, God, it's yours. You gave it to me, it's yours. You spend it. You spend it. Losing self to Christ means really finding who I was created to be. And actually, folks, if you're a Christ follower here this morning, when you lose yourself to Christ you're going to really live for the first time because you were created to be in his image and his likeness and he created you to follow him and you're going to find life for the first time. Following Christ. It's coming to the place where I realize and accept that God is God and he is in control. It's denying self. Second thought, second truth in this passage is this. Following Jesus requires me to take up my cross. He says in that same verse, take up your cross and follow me. When I say these things, you've heard people say, this is my cross to bear. And usually it's something that's fairly inconvenient. And I call it my cross to bear. Okay. That's not what he's saying. This isn't my little inconvenience in life. When Jesus said this to the disciples and to the crowd that was gathered at this point, they immediately understood what he was saying. We don't. Okay? Our culture does not know what it means to bear a cross. They understood because they had watched it happen over and over and over again. This was something that was really hard and it cost you your life. They knew what a Roman cross represented. They knew that it was the worst death possible. The Romans had become masters at torture through death on a cross. I did some research because I was wondering who started this whole thing. And actually, it started years before the Romans. The Assyrians were were great at putting people on a pole and leaving them till they died. But it was the Romans, hundreds of years later, who took that, that, and they didn't use it for Roman citizens. They used it for people that they took over. They used it for slaves. They used it for criminals. They used it for people who were making a political statement. And they had figured out how to make that the most excruciating death possible. And history tells us this, that tens of thousands of people were put to death on a cross by the Romans alone. In one day, they killed 6,000 people along one road because of a political uprising just to make a statement on a cross. And so these people that Jesus is talking to They knew exactly what he was saying. He said, look, you got to deny yourself first. Number two, you need to pick up that apparatus of death and follow me with it. Oh, no. Jesus is love. I can hear it. we don't have a clue what Jesus was talking about. Because we avoid anything that's uncomfortable in our society. Forget about something that might cost my life. And Jesus looks at these people and he says, look, so you want to be my follower? Then deny yourself and take up that piece of torture and follow me then he said to them all if anyone wants to follow me and listen to this phrase this is also in Luke 9 he didn't say pick up your cross he says this let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me Jesus is looking at these people he's not saying kill yourself that's not what he's saying to them He's saying, look, are you willing to put it all on the line for me? Whatever the requirement is. Now, I get it this morning. We have learned since childhood self-preservation. I have as well. I'm not preaching at you. I'm with you. I, I am part of this crowd this morning. And we have spent our lives figuring out how to make our lives as easy as we possibly can, as comfortable as we possibly can, and as free of pain as we possibly can. Right? Am I alone? I don't think so. And Jesus looks at it and he says, look, those are the least of your concerns. That's what he's saying. He's saying... What's eternal matters far more than the physical. What's eternal matters far more than what's the present. And it's really hard for us. Guys, this is difficult for us because we live in a culture of here and now, right? You deserve it your way. You shouldn't have to wait for anything. It should be provided right now. It shouldn't cost you. The state ought to provide it. No. Jesus says the cost is high. So you want to be a follower of Jesus? Then take up your cross. It's a daily event. It's just conscious act It's not easy. And the worst part of it is it means I'm allowing someone else to be in control. And man, whether you want to admit it or not, we're all control freaks, right? We want to make the decisions. We want to say what should happen and when it should happen and how it should happen and whether I like it or I don't like it. And if I don't like it, I just leave. And Jesus goes, no. Picking up the cross means that I'm your Lord and your master. And whatever I say goes. Wow. The cost is high. Third truth found in this passage. It's actually in the same verse. He says this, deny yourself, take up your cross. And then he says this, follow me, follow me. And when he says, follow me there, he's saying this, do what I've done. Jesus Jesus taught a lot, but it's interesting. He taught as he went. And he showed people what it looked like to follow him. And so when he says this to his disciples, he says, look, care the way I've cared. Give away truth the way I've given away truth. And it's interesting because when Jesus gave away truth, he wasn't judgmental about it he simply presented the truth and asked people to go do whatever and don't sin anymore that's what he said he didn't he didn't crush them he said look the grace that i have for you is complete and if you'll accept it it will bring you freedom from bondage but don't do it anymore be done with it follow me live like i'm living It's a command that Jesus gives us before he leaves the earth. He gave it to his disciples and the church as a whole. He said, look, I need you to live like I live and I need you to give away truth. It's found in Matthew 28. Let me read it. Jesus came near and he said to them, all authority has been given to me in heaven and earth. Go, therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe everything that I have commanded you. And remember, I am with you always to the end of the age. Jesus says, look, if you want to be my follower, then do what I've done. I've given away truth to everybody that I ran into. I've given away freedom and forgiveness and grace and mercy to everyone that I possibly could. It wasn't the physical miracles that mattered that Jesus did. It was the fact that he gave them freedom for eternity. That's who he was. It's what he did. And so Jesus looks at us and he says this, go, go and do the same. But a better way to say that in that passage is this. It's really better rendered, well, you are going. See, we take that passage and we say, well, I got to go to a foreign field. I got to go talk to people I don't know. But that's not really what it's saying. It's saying this, while you are going about life, be a follower of Jesus. Jesus. It's not a special act, it's just who you are. It goes back to the beginning of Mark chapter eight, where at Mark chapter eight, he says, look, while you're living life, deny yourself. While you're living life, pick up your cross. While you're living life, follow me. While you're living life and following me, make disciples of Jesus Christ. While you're on your way of life. It's not a special attempt. It's what you do every day. Why? Because it's who you are. It's who you are. So three takeaways from this passage this morning, and I'm done. Three takeaways from this passage. Here they are. If I am a follower of Jesus, then my life is not my own. That's what the passage says. If you read that whole passage again, you'd realize this, that Jesus says, if you want to be my follower, then everything you do will be for me and for the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're not pleasing the person that you work for. You're not trying to please your wife. You're not trying to please your kids. You're not, it's Jesus. It's him. It's him first. And everything that I do is for him and for his glory. If I am a follower of Jesus Christ, then my life is not my own. Number two, as a follower of Jesus Christ, then trying to save my life for self makes my life worthless. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've been had your hand clenched trying to save your life to hold on to what you love and your passions and the way you want things, then you're making your life worthless. The moment you open up your hand in your life and you say, God, this life is not mine. I am yours. Then I get the fullness that God has for my life. And you will have more in your life and you'll have more fulfillment in your life. You'll have more passion in your life than you ever dreamed you could have. Trying to save your life, you will lose it. It's the truth of the passage. Third thought, third takeaway is this. As a follower of Jesus, I can't hide who I am. Did you notice in that passage? He said it. He said, whoever is ashamed of me I will be ashamed of them at the end. If I am a follower of Jesus Christ, then I can't hide it. People won't be guessing who I am. They'll be saying, there's something different about them. There's something about them that I'm drawn to. It's not different, they're weird. I don't want to be around them. That's not it. Because that wasn't Jesus. Think about Jesus' life and ministry. It's constant throughout the Gospels when you see Jesus that people are drawn to Jesus. Sinners are drawn to Jesus. Those who were cast, the, the outcasts of life, they were drawn, they wanted to be with him. And he was different. And the same is true with me. If I am a follower of Jesus Christ, people will be drawn to me because of Christ in me. So the takeaway in the truth this morning is this. So you want to be a follower of Jesus? Then you're not your own. You can't save your life. You have to spend it. And you aren't able to hide who you are. Here's the thing, guys. I think a lot of us in North America... We spend more time trying to be liked than trying to be like Jesus. Let me say it again. I think in North America, Christians, we spend more time trying to be liked than becoming like Jesus. So you want to be a follower. Really? Have you counted the cost? Are you in? Father, grant us the courage to be the followers that you've asked us to be. Grant us the courage to deny ourselves, to pick up the cross of yielding our lives solely and completely to you and then following, just following. Not trying to control, not trying to make stuff happen, just following Jesus. Give us the courage to be an example of Christ to those around us this week. In your name we pray, amen. Amen.